0: Tonight I want to talk to you about the summit, maximize living. The summit, maximize living. Now what's a summit? A summit's the highest level, right? It's the peak, the apex, the highest point attainable. It's a pinnacle, all right? The summit, maximize living. I believe that uh, God has called us all, his children, uh, to live a high life a life of influence and a life of significance. And I believe that a lot of us feel like there's more on the inside of us. In our spirit, there's more. Romans chapter 5, verse number 17 said uh, that he's called us to reign in life as kings. Not just when we die and we go to heaven, thank God that he's Lord and he's the Savior of our life, but he's also empowered us through grace and through the anointing of the Spirit of God to reign in life now. God's called us to reign, R-E-I-G-N, in life now. The word reign means to exercise the highest influence. It really means to flow into or on. So when you're reigning in life, you're living such an extraordinary life, an uncommon life, that it's really spilling over into the lives of others. You know, people should miss you when you're gone. If you're a husband or a wife, right, and you leave in the morning... Uh, That wife or husband should miss your presence. Why? Because I'm reigning. If they don't miss you, there's trouble. Hallelujah, right? (laughs) If they're not excited that you're home at night, glory to God. It's quiet. (laughs) But he's called us to influence and to reign in life. And so there's great things that God's put in store for his great people on the earth. And really, great faith comes out of great tests, and great victories comes out of great battles. So if you want to live a maximized life, guess what you're going to go through some things. Notice I said the word through. You're not stopping in the middle of it, but you're going through it. There's a saying that says, "If you're going through hell, don't stop. Just move ahead. It's not the time to build an altar. Cry or wine, it's time to press, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, I press into the high calling, the summit, maximize living, a high attainable point that God's called us to. Now listen, I want to set up tonight um, with this key text, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse number 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20. The word says this in this scripture, for all the promises, notice that's plural, all the promises, everybody say promises. Say promises. Say promises. All the promises of God in him are what? Yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Listen to how the Living Bible reads this verse. He carries out and fulfills all of, all of God's promises, no matter how many of them there are. And we have told everyone how faithful God is, giving glory to his name. Another translation says this, for God's many promises made through his son are a strong yes. Another translation says this, each of us affirm that Jesus is God's yes to life. Each of us affirm that Jesus is God's yes to life. Every promise God has made to us finds its fulfillment in Christ. I'm going to uh, give you a, a couple more scriptures about promises cuz this is where we're launching from tonight uh, to get to the summit maximize living you got to understand that God's a God of promises now his love is unconditional but his promises are conditional what does that mean a lot of people transpose that and they think that God's love is conditional i got to merit God's love i got to work Uh, to get him to love me. No, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you're saved by grace through faith. Once you're born again and and into the family of God, Ephesians chapter 3 says, now I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom the whole family, to who the whole family. So when you're born again, you make Jesus Lord of your life. You're actually born into the family. Once you're in the family... Then you can, you can please God by faith. Just the same way as, as a child uh, can please their parents when they're lining up with what their parents are asking them to do. It's not fun when you've got to bring constant correction to in your household, right? You told Junior to take out the trash. He hasn't done it for six weeks. Are you happy with Junior? Is he still in the family? Still got your last name? Right, <laughs> but you're not real pleased with them. So what happens at that point? There are some consequences that set in. Right, uh, little juniors uh, not making the bed like you told them to. Dirty laundry's piled up in the closet underneath the book bag. Right, dirty plates are under the pillow. Right. So, as part of the family of God, we can please God. We can be Um, rewarded in a good way, or we could be punished in a bad way. Even in Hebrews, it says that no chastening feels pleasant at the time, but we know that God, uh, he chastens those that he loves. Why? Because he wants to see you on the right path. That's why you go through driver's education, right? They just don't give you your license. Why? Because they don't want you to kill yourself. You got to learn the rules of the road, and then they actually make you practice before you take the test. How much more is God trying to set us up for success by showing us his standard? Which and his standard leads to righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. His standard, living up by faith to his standard, uh, will give your life righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it'll help pull everything that he's put in you out. Right? So another promise that we have, another scripture about promises is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1. I would encourage you. I would beseech you. I would beg you. I would admonish you. Uh, write these scriptures down. I see a lot of people taking notes, which is great. Now, but you realize it takes about 50 times hearing the same thing to really get it to drop. So you getting an hour sermon uh, on Wednesday is not enough. It's good for you. The Bible's called us to be disciples, which means that we're students of the Word of God. All right, uh, so we're going to give you lots of Scripture tonight. But I would, I would uh, expect you know, go home, study these things, start meditating on them, get it down in your spirit, let it renew your mind. If you want an uncommon life, uh, you're going to have to do something uncommon to get there, right? And uh, don't be an average believer. Be a believer that's excelling in the things of God, which means your meditation life takes an uptick in 2020. So write these scriptures down. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number one says, having such great promises. These aren't little promises. These aren't insignificant promises. These are great, full of magnitude and weight. Uh, they're honorable. They're distinguished. These are great promises. It says, dear friends, now listen, let us turn away from everything wrong. This is the living Bible. Whether a body or, sp- or spirit, purify ourselves. Purify ourselves. Are you experiencing God's best in your life? The Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse number one, says there are great promises, but in order to obtain them, we talked about God's love is unconditional, but His promises are conditional. Right. Just like Junior, man, you uh, you will reward him, right? If there, if. If they're doing the right thing, you'll you'll affirm, that's a great job making that bed. I'm going to go ahead and get you. Man, we're having an ice cream shake. You got A pluses. You excelled. I saw you work hard uh, at that homework, everything you were asked to do. You went above and beyond. We're going to go ahead and, and, uh, you know, reward you for that. Right? But... If you're doing wrong and you're not purifying yourself, just like the same way little Junior's not making his bed, he's not following directions, guess what? We're going to pull your iPhone from you. Little Junior shouldn't have an iPhone. We'll get over into teenager. Amen. You got that? Little Junior shouldn't have an iPhone. Hallelujah. Please guard uh, the hearts of your kids, all right? Hallelujah. It's been said that, uh, you know, pornographers try to target 11-year-old age just to get them addicted that age. It's a fact. All right, so don't... This is a little side journey, but uh, as parents, you know, it's our responsibility. We're not afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Greater is he that's in me, that's he that's in the world, but we have a great responsibility when it comes to parenting, and we need to make sure we monitor what our kids are watching, all right? So back to this verse, it says, living in the wholesome fear of God, the reverence, the honor for God, giving ourselves to him alone, I like that, giving yourself to God alone. So we see right there, there's great promises, but these promises are conditional, and we have to line up with the word of God in order to receive them into our life, hallelujah. First Kings chapter 8, verse number 56 says this, 1 Kings 8.56 says, Blessed be the Lord that has given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all the good promise which he promised by the hand of his servant Moses. Get that. According to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all of his good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses' servant. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 4 says this, by which have been given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, plural, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, Amen. having escaped the corruption, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, what is a promise? A promise, by definition, is a pledge. It's a binding promise or agreement to do something. A promise is a pledge, a binding promise or agreement to do something. A promise is a divine assurance of good. A promise is a divine assurance of good. Listen, it's a guarantee. There's a lot of commercials that we'll see with people that have products that said, I'll guarantee this works, right? But God says, I guarantee my word will work in your life. If, if, if you line up with the word of God, it will work in your life. If, if you go home tonight and you do 35 miles an hour in the 35 mile an hour zone, and if you stop at the red light, you will not get pulled over by the police officer. It will go well with you. I guarantee it. If you choose to go the wrong way down the street, run some red lights. I guarantee the police will find you out, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Did you ever notice when you're early, you always get all the green lights? See law. So it's a, and listen, it's a divine assurance of good. It's a covenant. See, we're, we're so accustomed in our modern culture um, that we don't really expect, even when somebody signs a contract, uh, really in the back of most of our culture's mind, we can get out of that contract. I remember when cell phones used to have 24-month contracts. Now there's a thing they call no commitment. All right. But God is a covenant-keeping God, so when God says something, he says, I guarantee it's a covenant sure that I I will do my part. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 12 says this. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 12 says, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm actively watching over my word to fulfill it. God said, I'm actively watching over my word. I'm guaranteeing my word. It's a pledge. It's a divine assurance of good. Now, he's telling Jeremiah this, because if you study the life of Jeremiah, he was not a popular preacher. If he was in our modern society, he wouldn't have many friends on Facebook or maybe many likes. But early, this is in his youth, he said... I have called you from your mother's womb to be a prophet to, my, uh, to the nations. He said, don't be afraid of their faces when you're speaking prophetically to my people. He said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Now, he's, the reason he's saying this is because Jeremiah's getting ready to say some things that's gonna happen today, some things that are gonna happen in a week, some things that are gonna happen in a month, in a year. Matter of fact, he prophesied captivity for 70 years, So God is assuring him, my word is guaranteed. If you declare my word, it is gonna come to pass. And the only reason the people of Israel went into captivity is why? They weren't meeting the conditions that God said. They were in the promised land where God wanted them to be, but they weren't living the summit, the maximized life, because they had so much idolatry. They were tempting Christ. There was lust. There was fornication. There was murmuring. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Uh, The Bible lays out five things that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land, or I will say the summit or maximized living. They're the same five sins that keep us as a man or woman from being maximized today. And because of that, there's a prophetic warning that comes out of love. God will send a prophet into your life or the word of God. Why? To get you to repent and change. If you read the Old Testament, a lot of people think it's hard, it's difficult. You'll see things like God had, had great mercy. He'll send a word to try to get you to change, but you know what, people reject the word and they keep on going down the wrong course and then they keep on getting the wrong results and they leave a mediocre and an unsuccessful life when God has called called us to live so much more greater than where they're currently at. So God said, listen, Jeremiah, I'm gonna watch over my word, you speak it and it will come to pass. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23 says this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, thank you, Lord. He said, let us, which is us, everybody say me, Let me, say let me, me. hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for God, he is faithful, that promised. So I'm, I'm tying this together. There's a promise, there's promises that God has given us and we have to line up if we want the guarantee, the assurance that promise is gonna be working in our life. Some things are instant and some things take some time. Some things are some things we have direct control over. For example, in my house, I have control or leadership in my house. If a thief tries to come in, that's not good, right? But I I can't. I don't have authority in your home. You may let a thief in your home. I may handle it different because I'm exercising authority in a righteous manner, uh, but you may be sleeping through the whole thing, right? So there's some things that are the instant. When it comes to healing, this is my body that God's given me, so I have direct authority over it. So I'll give you an example. Kenneth Hagin, the founder of our Bible school, when he had a healing line one time he's going through, he's ministered healing right? Uh, He's preached it. A lot of times he did things by precept and then example. So he felt led that night to have a healing line. He's going down. You you all have probably seen the healing lines where the Bible says, lay hands on the sick over in James and they shall recover. That's a guarantee. So he's working his way down the line and he gets ready to lay his hands on this older lady. And the spirit of God says, don't lay hands on her. But Lord, there's a divine assurance, there's a promise that if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And the Spirit Lord told, told him, listen, 20 years ago, I called her to the mission field. I've given her time, you know, I've sent that reminder before her, she has chose to ignore it, and therefore she's outside, she's driving the wrong way down the street, doing the wrong speed limit, and I can't do anything all right? But for me, if sickness comes, guess what? I could take authority immediately. Uh, immediately so some of that's instant. Finances could take some time. I like what Brother Hagan said about finances, Kenneth e. Hagen, he said, um, He said, God doesn't pay out every Friday, but he pays out. He told his wife, just stick with me, just stick with me, and God's going to take care of us. And this is at a time when he's On the road, doing what God called him to do, God said, Go teach my people faith. He's an itinerant minister. He's talking about one time uh, he was staying at a parsonage uh, in the pastor's home. Uh, They got there, barely got there, didn't have enough fuel really, um, you know, even to make it to the next destination. So he's having to trust God in all this. Hasn't eaten for a while, and, um, you know, he just gets there, walks in the house, the minister's gone, opens up the refrigerator, thinking, It's been several hours now. I don't know when he's coming back and there wasn't really much in there, he said, beside a hot dog and an apple, and him and his wife were hungry. So finally, uh, because the minister took so long, he said, we're just going to go ahead and cook this up and eat this apple, he said, because it feels like my my stomach's eating my backbone. But he tells her this in that situation, just stick with me, even though it doesn't look like we're, we're going around on four bald tires right now, barely getting by, but he said, just stick with me, We're going to give our tithe, we're going to give our offering. we're going to stay faithful to God, and it'll pay out. And you know what? Over the years, uh, towards the end of his life, his his wife, now he wouldn't announce this publicly because he was humble, she had like seven fur coats as they got up in age. Matter of fact, he did so well that he actually was able to save for each of the grandkids' college uh, so they didn't have to go into debt. So some things take longer. Some things are instant. Some promises take a little bit longer, but it's guaranteed. The Bible says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith, for he that promised is faithful. So the word hold fast means keep a firm uh, possession of it. Keep it secure. Take hold of it. Seize it. If you want the summit, maximize living, you're going to have to hold fast. You're going to have to keep firm uh, uh, possession of your confession, what you say. The Bible says, hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. What's wavering means? It means you're not firm. you're moved. You're vacillating back and forth. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says this. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. And if braids not or doesn't take it away, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with uh, the wind and tossed. Let not that man or woman think that they shall receive anything of the Lord." So when, you, when you're not asking in faith, you're wavering, guess what? There's no guarantee it's going to work. You got to hold fast to confess in your faith. One of the greatest manifestations or one of the best ways to exercise faith is by what you're saying. We sing that song, um, even we, when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He never stops working, Right? So in those moments when you, man, like it's not working, I don't see any progress, I don't feel any progress, the Bible says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. So your mind may fight you all the steps, every step of the way, but guess what? You still declare the word of God in the midst of it. You still speak the word of God in the midst of it. You find those scriptures that are applicable to whatever you're believing God for, and you continue to say it. Don't stay quiet. Don't let doubt rob you of what God wants to do in your life. You got to open up your mouth and speak the word of God. If you speak the word of God, it's guaranteed to come to pass. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Just keep saying it. Just keep saying it. Just keep saying it. Your feelings will fight you. That's normal. Your mind will fight you. That's normal. We're going to get to some case studies in a moment, which I thank God for the word because he just lays open the lives of men and women in the Bible to let you see all the emotions, some of the mess they got themselves into, but how they finish and hit the summit, maximize living because they always got back to that place where, God, I'm sold out to you. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. One translation says have the God kind of faith. What is faith? Faith is a conviction. It's a firm persuasion that what God has said he will do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's repetitive. You may have read the word of God last year, but if you're not reading it now, then you're not growing your faith what you feed grows stronger. What you resist grows weaker. What you feed grows stronger. What you resist grows weaker. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So what I'm submitting to or what I'm feeding is getting stronger. What I'm resisting is getting weaker. So feed your faith and starve your doubts. All of us have, when the, listen, when the electricity goes out, your clock starts blinking at 12 o'clock. It's default mode. What do you default to when something challenging hits your life? When the power's out? Those, those, are, those are the areas where you need to grow in strength. And all of us wrestle uh, with different things. I guarantee you, not now, but if you're married, all you gotta ask your, do is ask your spouse. Glory to God. Not now, because I don't want any elbows. But they know your, they know your strengths. They know your weaknesses, right? Uh, they, know, uh, they know what you're, what you're able to uh, go through with a great strength, and they know, man, this, this could get a bit rocky if it goes over in this area, right? But you want to feed, uh, feed, feed feed yourself uh, faith through the word of God and resist doubts. So read on. It says, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, let us hold fast the confession of our faith, right? Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Remember, we ask in faith, not wavering. So doubt can happen in your head when you can still have faith in your heart. Doubt can be in your head and you can still have faith in your heart. Doubt can be in your head, but there's still faith. In your heart. Do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things he says, those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So, what are you saying in your situation? I'm not going to make it. Right? Doubts are coming. I don't know if God's going to come through in this one. Right? All of us had these thoughts, but we need to not have doubt in our heart. It could be in our head, but we have faith in our heart, and we need to speak the word of God. It says in verse 24, therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Whoever says to this mountain, what's the mountain? Anything that seems impossible in your life. All things, the gospel of Mark says, all things are possible to them that believe. There's mountains that that seem like, man, we're never going to get over this obstacle. But God said, I want to take you to the summit. I want to take you to maximize living. You can get through this year. It's going to be uncommon. You're going to break through uh, barriers that uh, you have not broken through before if you continue to speak the word of God. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat its fruit. Are you? I'll give you another one. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 2 says this You are snared by the words of your mouth. On a negative side, you're snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Guess what? The power of choice you have it. God is saying, I want you to speak my word, I want your words to line up with my word. So you can have an uncommon existence, extraordinary existence, but you gotta speak the word. Second Corinthians chapter four, I'm gonna read verses seven through 18. This is a delicious piece of scripture. This is USDA prime beef. For you vegetarians, it's a good combination of brown rice, and some type of beans, which gives you your complete amino acid, uh, amino acid base, amen? That's <laughs> got a word for you. Don't be a part-time vegetarian. All right. right. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4. Yeah, you're eating ribs on Friday and salad on Saturday. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 7 through 18 but we have this treasure in earthen vessels uh, that the excellence of the power may be of God that the excellency of the power may be of God not of us now listen to this we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Now listen to this, and since we having that same spirit of faith, I pray for a spirit of faith in this congregation, a spirit of faith a spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believe, therefore what I spoke. I believe, therefore I spoke. I believe, therefore I spoke. I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things are for your sakes that a grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving. To abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There's a great confession for you right there. Listen, you need to take care of the the outward shell, right? And, uh, you know, things will change as you get older. Glory to God. You could color it, tuck it, and suck it, but there is the aging process. (laughs) Hallelujah. So, the outward man's being renewed. So, you could slow down the aging process, and the greatest thing isn't food or just an exercise regimen. You know what it is? Peace. Peace. a worry-free life. You could take care of yourself very well externally have a great exercise regimen, eat very well, but be torn up on the inside because you're full of anxiety, you're full of worry, you're fretting. It, it constricts your arteries, your veins. Your heart rate starts to go up when you start to get if you're living an angry existence or a stressed existence, God didn't call you to that. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, to be anxious. Read it from the Amplified. Don't fret. Don't have any anxiety. Any worry. So when that comes on, you what what? You need a spirit of faith. When financial pressure comes on, Lord, I just cast all my cares unto you. I thank you for wisdom in this situation, Father. I'm gonna do everything I know to do. I'm gonna tithe. I'm going to give. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to work my tail off at work. I'm going to be a blessing uh, to the company and to the assignment that you've put in me for this season. I'm going to be a thing called faithful, trustworthy. And so I'm not going to worry about it, though. I thank you that you meet all of my need. And then that thought will come up again. Guess what? Going back to it with my mouth. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm going to work hard. We're tithing. Uh, we're given. I thank you the windows of heaven are open. I thank you the windows of heaven. You control the thing I can't control. I can, I can till the ground. I can plant the seed, but I can't control the rain. So, Father, I thank you that you can control the thing I can't control. So, I trust in you, right? Hallelujah. But this is a good confession. Uh, the outward man is perishing, so there's things you can do Uh, with not being stressed, with working out. 1 Timothy 4.8 says bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable in all things, having promise for this life and the life that is to come. So thank God there are things you can do. There are certain uh, ways you can eat uh, that will help out. But ultimately, the confession needs to be, listen, my inward man's being renewed day by day. Thank God my spirit is strong. My spirit man is strong. Stout. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, for our light. Now, this is interesting because he's still talking about we're crushed on every side, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, forsaken. And he says, but our light affliction, <laughs> which is just before a moment. <laughs> he calls all these things. And if, you, if you follow Paul, he was beat twice, 39 times, right? He's put in jail, experienced shipwreck experience a cold, right? Experience persecution, abandonment, rejection. And he said, these are light afflictions. It's working in me a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And listen to what he says. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So you know that Paul saying, I got that spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I speak. In the midst of everything that I'm going through, uh, it's light, it's it's a moment in time, but it's working a far more and exceeding greater glory in me. Hallelujah. So even in Genesis, we see a pattern with God. And listen, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26 through 28, we find out that we are made in the image of God. But if you go back and read Genesis 1, you'll see a pattern that God said it, then he saw it, and then he saw that it was good. God said it, God saw it, and then he saw that it was good. God said it, then he saw it, and he saw that it was good. When he got mankind, he said, it's very good. But he said, "I met you. we're made in his image, so there's actually the creative ability of God. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. God framed the world by his word. And because we're made in his image, we can frame our world by our words. So let's look at Abraham first as a case study. Abraham, in Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, let's read read this. Genesis chapter 12, this is when Abraham first comes on the scene. And God says to him, Now the Lord said to Abram, Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now listen, as you're doing your Bible reading in 2020, notice he said to a land. Follow that thread, follow that thread through Genesis into Exodus, through Leviticus, into Numbers, Deuteronomy and Joshua. It'll grow in its explanation and description of the land because God's called us to the summit maximize living see it wasn't so much about just when you die you go to heaven God promised to Abram he said I'm gonna take you to a land your descendants to a land we find out later it's a land flowing with milk and honey it's the summit it's maximize living it's fullness of life it's John 10 10 I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ he said, I'm, I want to take you to land. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. Uh, and in all, and, and you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now listen, in Galatians chapter 3, the word says this. Verse number 10. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, have become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we find Abraham in the New Testament, for the Jews and the Gentiles, this blessing is supposed to be on our life. I said this blessing is supposed to be upon our life. A great nation, I'll bless you, I'll make your name great. See, in the kingdom of God, it's opposite to the world. In the world, everybody's trying to climb the corporate ladder, right? But in the kingdom, if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us in due time. He wants to make your name great. He wants to give you a reputation. He wants to give you fame, but it's out of humility. It's out of service in the kingdom where we're actually exalted. But he makes a promise to Abraham so we could track the story. He said, part of the promise I'm giving you, Abraham, because all of my promises are yes, yes, and amen, he said, I'm gonna give you a son. Now, he first comes on the scene at 75 years old when we meet Abram, he said, I'm gonna give you a son. Now, that's already old for a lot of people, right? Is that old, 75? Young? Hallelujah? Okay, no opinion. <laughs> but at 75, he said, I'm gonna bless you with a child. Now, in Abraham's life, uh, we see that this is at 75. So he's got to hold fast. That's a a guarantee. That's a divine assurance of good. That's a pledge from God. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Nations and kings are going to come out of you. I'm going to give you a child. Now what happens during the story? His wife starts getting worried. She figures I'm going to help God out. So after some time... She says, Abram, listen, God promises a child. I know how this works. Go sleep with one of the concubines. And that's how the, the, the child's gonna come. And it became Ishmael, a mess. And God, God reminds Abraham, no, 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 it's gonna come through your own loins. So Abraham has to hold this promise at 99 years old. Listen, church, at 99 years old, uh, he got the promise at 75. At 99, God said in Genesis 17, he said, listen, your name shall no longer be called Abram, but it shall be called Abraham. And Abraham means the father of many nations. So God's reminding him After all those years, I have not forgot about my promise. I have not forgot about my word. I have not forgot about my guarantee in your life. Saints, we need to hold fast to the confession of our faith, for he that promised is faithful. Don't give up on the dreams that God's placed in your heart. Don't give up on the desires that God's placed in your heart. Don't give up. Keep holding fast to the confession of your faith, for he that promised is faithful. Dream big in 2020, dream large in 2020. What is God going to do through you? There may be the start of something, but listen, even when the temple and the altar is being rebuilt, he said, don't despise a day of small beginnings. God loves to see the work begin. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. So I just feel like the word recharge, 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 reawaken that passion, reawaken that dream. If it's dormant, be like Ezekiel 37 where he started speaking to the dry bones and the flesh came back. Life was breathed back into it. I say by the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, for life to be breathed back into your dreams, those things that God has placed in your heart. I'm not talking about just your desires. I'm talking about the desires that God has given you. Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. So I'm talking about the things that God has placed in your heart the potential, the passions that he's placed there. And let him work out the details. Don't make a mess like Abraham and Sarah did. Let him bring it to pass. You just keep trusting, you keep declaring, you keep praising, you keep speaking through it. So in in, in Genesis 17, uh, we see that you're never, no longer going to be called Abram, but you're going to be called Abraham, a father of many nations. Therefore, God, every time he heard his name, people were starting to say, you're the father of many nations. God surrounded him with people that are going to speak the word, the promise, the guarantee of God into his life. Uh, you're the father of many nations. Everybody, Every time somebody declared his name, you're the father of many nations. A lot of times, God would change somebody's name. Why? To get them to identify what he wanted them to do in life. Jacob One of Abraham's offspring actually meant con artist. His name meant con artist or trickster. Could you imagine being identified as that your whole life? Why? Because he's the one that stole his brother's birthright. But when he had an encounter with God, God said, you're no longer going to be called Jacob, but you're going to be called Israel. So all of a sudden, what he heard started to change. What is your self-talk like to yourself? What do you say to yourself? What goes on in your brain? (laughs) Some of the greatest battles have been fought between the ears, right? That negative, man, you're never going to amount to it. You're never going to get to it. No, that's not. That's doubt. That's unbelief. We're going to do another case study in a second to see the Word of God. Go to Romans chapter 4 real quick. And we know that obviously God fulfilled that promise in Abraham's life because they had the son, Isaac, right? So it did come to pass at 100 years old. It took 25 years. But let us hold fast the confession of our faith for he that promises is faithful. So in Romans chapter four, look at this. We'll, we pick up with some of the story of Abraham. I love how the New Testament parallels with the Old Testament and it all comes together to clarify truth, amen? It says in verse number one, what then shall we say uh, that Abraham our father is found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He believed the promise of God. God promised him, I'm gonna make your name great, I'm gonna make a nation of you, I'm gonna give you a son. And it said, the Bible said that Abraham believed that. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Jump down to verse number 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those which are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all." As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom believe God, who gives life to the dead. Even the deadness of Sarah's womb, God gives life to the dead. Listen, listen. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So faith calls those things that do not exist as though they did. So listen, church. Faith does not call those things that are as if they're not. Faith does not call those things that are as if they're not. If you have a snotty nose, faith does not say, I do not have a snotty nose. No, you need to go get a tissue and wipe your nose. If you're coughing, faith doesn't say, I'm not coughing. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. The declaration in the middle, I am the healed of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. A merry heart does good like a medicine. So in the midst of whatever you're going through, you don't, faith is not a denial of facts. Faith is a declaration of the word of God that gets you the victory in the midst of circumstances. All right? So it calls those things that be not as though they were, listen, who contrary to hope, there was no hope that they would have a child. And sometimes I just feel like in this adventure with God, this journey with God—it's like sometimes He just waits until things completely, seem completely impossible. I mean, like when there's no hope, contrary to hope. I feel like He just waited till, the, like He leaves no doubt this was me. In hope. In hope, Abraham believed, so he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Listen, not being weak in faith, not being weak in faith, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. So the doubt, the discouragement, anything that tried to come, he, I wasn't looking at the, the, uh, the external, I'm looking at the word of God. And he said he didn't look at the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver. Remember, let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without Wavering, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So your praise life is vitally important. Lord, I thank you it's gonna to come to pass. I think it's gonna work out. I have a, a divine assurance of good. I have a pledge that we win. In Romans chapter eight, it says, what a good, what's gonna separate us from the love of God? Famine, persecution, affliction. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Let's look at another case study, Caleb. I like Caleb. In Numbers 13, man, because of time's sake, I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing, so I'll just summarize the story, but you can read it. Numbers 13, verse number 1, all the way through chapter 14, verse number 11. Now, just to summarize the story, remember I talked about the land, follow that track as you're reading the Old Testament? God... Uh, told Moses, I want you to go spy out the land. They're getting close to Canaan land. We're talking about the summit, maximize living. God still wants his people to live in Canaan land today, which is the maximized be- potential where you live by faith, being seen in your life. And he said this, I'm bringing you into this good land. I want, I want to take 12, tri- uh, 12 spies, one from each tribe. I want you to go spy out the land. So Joshua and Caleb and 10 other representatives went into Canaan land. And they, they, they brought back a cluster of grapes, and these grapes were so big that they had to put them on a pole and carry them on two people's shoulders to get back. You don't find that at Publix or Walmart. But they saw the land was good. They saw it was what God said, but they also saw there were giants, five different uh, types of giants in the land descendants of giants, and they became afraid. Don't let, don't let a fear rob you or paralyze you for what God wants you to do. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Say that a thousand times to yourself, that I have a strong spirit. He hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and what the Amplified says a well-balanced, calm, and a disciplined mind. Every time it comes up, speak it out, say it. Feed your faith, starve your doubts. So 10 come back with a negative report, two come back with a good report. And Caleb was like, let's go right now. The other 10 uh, spoke against Joshua and Caleb said, we are not able to go. The giants are gonna defeat us, they're huge. My pro- Listen, I got a special set of problems. They're bigger than yours. But you don't know what I'm going through. Listen, in 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says, no temptation is overtaking you such as is common to man. We're living an uncommon life in 2020. It's time to get out the sword of the spirit and be like David. Get out your sling, right? Get out your rocks and say, who is this uncircumcised giant that defies the armies of the living God? You come at me with your, with your spear, with your shield, with your sword. I come at you in the name of the living God. And listen, he had five stones. It only took one. You realize Goliath had four brothers, though? You read the story. I think David came prepared. I'll take them all out. It only took one, though, before they got scared and ran off. And that's just like the devil. When you submit to God, resist the devil, it says he flees. And then i like, David, leave no doubt. After the, the, the stone sinks in the, the giant's head, he falls flat, David took what? The weapons that are formed against you shall not prosper. The thing that was trying to kill him, David took it and said, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and finish this off. I'm going to sever the head from the body. This isn't like Freddy or uh, Jason. Some of you get that. That's going to resurrect again. No, I'm making sure this sucker's dead. I'm cutting it off. So Caleb said, listen, we're well able to go. This is at 40 years old that Caleb gets this guarantee, this pledge, this promise from God that I'm gonna take you into the land. But because of 10 people that came back with an evil report, the Bible says that God, they, they spied the land out for 40 days, judgment came. He said, I'm gonna give you 40 years of will, a wondrous a wandering around in the wilderness. The wilderness is a land of just enough. God didn't call you to live a common life. Common's just enough. He said, I want you to take you to Canaan land, which is a land of more than enough. You're supposed to be blessed to be a blessing. When you have just enough, you're not a blessing. It should spill over, right? So Numbers chapter, um, let's go to Joshua 14, because they actually get in the land because God's waiting for a whole generation to die out that brought an evil report. What's the evil report? It just didn't line up with what God said. Caleb and Joshua didn't deny that there weren't giants in the land, but by faith they said, we're gonna reign. We're gonna kick some tail and take some names. Right? So in Joshua chapter 14, look at this. Verse number seven says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant Lord, uh, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Where's faith at? In your heart. Mark 11 says, don't doubt in your heart. He said, I brought back, what's the things that God has put in your heart? Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. So Moses swore, he guaranteed to me on that day, saying, surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have holy father, Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. These 45 years, so he's 85 years old. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I'm this day 85 years old, and as yet I am as strong this day. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Glory to God. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war, both going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, give me this summit. Give me this maximized living, which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the uh, Anakim uh, were there. The cities were great fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Now, listen, it's interesting to me. As I read the Bible, that's where David started his kingship, in Hebron. Because a previous generation had faith to drive out the enemy. But Jerusalem, the Jebusites inhabited, and another tribe didn't drive them out, and they got entrenched. The things we do now should affect future generations. Now listen, Caleb, I like Caleb's name because it means dog. You dog But you heard the term dogmatic. Yeah. Like a you know a, you know why the, the nose of a pit bull is slanting backwards? So he can breathe without letting go. <laughs> when you clamp down on something, he said, Caleb, your name means dog, and that's not derogatory. That means you clamp down on the promises of God. It said he was a, he also was a of the tribe or the, the son of Jephunneh, which means he will be prepared. And he was a Ken, Kenizzite, which means he was a hunter. So this man was a breed, amen? He was ready to take what God had promised him. Let me finish with this in the New Testament, because I didn't want to leave the women out. Praise the Lord, rise up and call her blessed. Now, listen, the sound booth had a good idea. One time I'm going to minister because I'm a man with duct tape on my neck to hold this thing in place. I thought that was a great man idea. But because, you know, God um, teaches us truth, I thought, what can the women put on this thing that would, anyways, squirrel. But for the women in the house, the principle works no matter, no matter if you're a man or a woman, because all the principles work. Amen. But let's look in Mark chapter 5, verse number 25, because we need to hold fast the confession of our faith. For he that promises faithful, without wavering. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. 12 years. You see the time frames associated with these things? There was a divine assurance in the life of Abraham. He had to wait 25 years. Uh, Caleb had to wait 45 years for that promise. This woman has an issue for 12 years. She'd suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, for she said, for she said, for she said, for she said. What'd she say? If I only touch his clothes, if I only... She was saying this saying this to herself repetitively. If I only touch his clothes, if I only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So she was repetitively saying, if I only touch his clothes... I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing himself, that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? And you say, who touched me? So there's a crowd pressing in. There's people all around him, but one woman who said, if I only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. It's interesting. I'm sure there were a lot of people in that crowd that needed something. I'm sure there's others in the crowd that had some kind of infirmity or weakness that needed healing that day. And he's going around uh, on the mission that God assigned him to. And this woman, by faith, she she was speaking. If I only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And the crowd around him, his disciples, like, are you out of your mind, Lord? He said, but listen, powers went out. He looked around to see her, her who had done this thing, the woman fearing and trembling. Now, listen, this woman had boldness. Because she had a flow of blood, and by the law, she wasn't supposed to be around other people. But Jesus didn't rebuke her for that. She was afraid because she knew she was disobeying the law. But knowing what had happened to her, he, he came and, he, and, and she fell down before him, and she told him the whole truth. And what he said, daughter, your faith, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Get that into your spirit. She had to drive through the crowd. She had to push out doubt. She had to push out unbelief, so to speak. What things do you need to get out of your way to get a touch from God this year?